Hello and welcome to the second episode of Matushka's Right Peg. Once again, we're joined in the virtual studio by Kyle, Cherry and Mark. Thanks to everyone for your feedback from the last episode. Today we'll be taking a look at the Mainz game uh, that happened yesterday. We'll uh, include a bit of Twitter feedback. So thank you to those that engaged on Twitter today. We're going to take a look at the promotion memories of uh, three of the group today, not myself, unfortunately, as it's the anniversary a uh, couple of days uh, yesterday, sorry. Um, and obviously in the news today, we've had Sebastian Polter. So we'll be taking a look and having some opinion on that one. And lastly, we'll be previewing the forthcoming Union Gladbach fixture. And I think Kyle will also do a little bit of a roundup about what's going on in the rest of the Bundesliga this weekend. So without further ado, Cherry, do you want to kick us off? Mainz? Yeah, my, my first comment would be that, uh, unfortunately, it seems that Trimmel can no longer take set pieces. Um, Sebastian Anderson can't win headers anymore. That, that's my main comment from the game, um, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but generally, I think the first half, Mainz were by far the better team. They, they played some really good stuff. Very similar to the to the game against Hertha last week in that they, they were pacey, they had power up front. We really struggled to, to deal with that and obviously they got their goal first half. Um, so after the, the Andrich sending off, I think we did really well to get back into the into the game and, and to keep it 1-1. Obviously we had even two two chances to win, I'd say. One was a half chance from Promo and the other one... Uh, the the Anderson header with the free kick at the end, we could have even snatched it. Um, overall, I think teams have probably sussed out how we're playing. It looks like that Hertha they they had two wingers out wide who pinned our wing backs back, and when we got the ball going forward, the wing backs are really important in that in building play. If they can't get forward, the ball doesn't stick up front. Teams get back at us. That's something I've noticed from the last two games. Whether that then leads to a change in system, I'm not sure, but it does look like we've been sus now. We've got a very rigid system. It's very organised. When teams work out how to play us, uh, it does put us in, in trouble. That's, that's kind of very, very concerning, I guess, looking at uh, the next few games, if we've been sussed. Because there doesn't really seem that many other options for Union to deviate from that system that's been so successful for the uh, season before the pandemic. Uh, well, one thing one thing we could do, and we might be forced to do with, with Andrik being suspended now, is maybe go with three in midfield. I was thinking maybe Schmiedeback could come in. He's not really been playing at all this year. And many of our sort of grinding wins in the promotion season, I think he played a really important role in that, just sitting in front and shielding the front, uh, the back four. At the moment, we play with two centre midfielders in there, but neither of them are really... Uh, a Makaleli role type player. You've got two dynamic players bobbing up and down, two number eights essentially. Um, we've not seen Schmieder back at all this season, so I'm not sure whether that would work. He has been on the bench. That's one idea. Um, but in terms of system, yeah, Poulter's obviously gone now. You could go with Ujar and Anderson, which hasn't really worked this season when it has happened on, on the odd occasion. Um, you've got players like uh, Becker, who just, just seems to have disappeared off the face of the earth. I'm not sure if he's still around, if he's still if he's injured or what. I'm not sure. Um, Abdullahi again has been injured. Those sort of players could come and make a difference, but unfortunately, um, the, the, yeah, they're not available at the minute. 
Um, but yeah, back to back to yesterday's game. Um, really clever free kick, I thought, for for our goal. Nice, above all, just to have a goal to celebrate at last. Um, but yeah, it was really clever. You could see the keeper was sort of eyeing up. He he was he made his decision and he'd moved before the kick was even taken. And I think uh, Ingvartsen knew that and he just put it low in the other corner. You can call it bad keeping, but I think it was it was a clever free kick above all. That's, a, and, that's an interesting take. Uh, yes. I, I actually thought it was bad goalkeeping, but um, there we go. Good to have some different opinions. I'll give Ingvartsen the benefit of the doubt on, on <laughs> that one. And then one more comment on... Um, on Rierson, I think had a pretty good game um, playing on the left, which is not really his his usual position. But I think he did well. He's got pace. Uh, he was pretty good on the ball. He kept um, I forget the name of of the right winger who scored for Mainz there, but he kept him fairly quiet in the second half. Did really well. And would you say it was one point gained in the end, or was it? Are you still looking at it as that was two points dropped? Mainz didn't get three points. That's how I'm looking at it. I think that's a that's a good way to look at it, Mark. What was uh, what was your view? Well, I think the uh, the point is definitely a point gained. Um, the there was the, uh, the, the 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 table was uh, put up after they were one nil up and everything, and and we were equal on points. And now, even uh, even though the performance and the result wasn't quite what we wanted, uh, just that two point difference now above Mainz, who were still below us. Uh, enormously important, I think, um, uh, th- especially when you're playing over a half with uh, 10 men. The problem with that, with playing with 10 men, is it's incredibly tough on the stamina. And when, you're, when you've got, uh, even with the five substitutions, which uh, we didn't use all of them for some reason yesterday, even, even, even then, it's incredibly difficult to play our type of football with the sort of squad makeup that we have with slightly older, maybe less speedy players. Incredibly difficult to chase, uh, to chase after, to chase after that. I'm just so glad that we actually equalised before before Andrich had his uh, had his rush of blood to the head there. Uh, otherwise, that could have gone uh, that could have gone quite badly. I think. Um, Replacing him, I wouldn't put Schmiede back in. I, I I see the point. I see the point that he's a little terrier and everything. Uh, but it, I think you have to play the same system. Don't start changing systems around. I would say either I'd I just put put Gentner and 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 Prima in the middle. Uh, personally, it's maybe not the best possible middle two that we could have. But yeah, I mean. It, it, it's not. It's not too bad. If you wanted to put somebody else up front now that we've lost uh, Poulter, I think you could probably, you maybe even think about putting Vatsen up front. Actually, he definitely makes things happen up there. He's certainly not a target man. Uh, but if you're not going to go with Uja for whatever reason, I think Ingvatsen might be a might be an option. And um, in terms of who played well yesterday. Um, well, I don't think anyone did in the first 25 minutes. It was really, really terrible performance um but when we started when they started battling really credit to them i would say schlotterbeck had a good game as well i thought he uh he he, he really put his uh put his body on the line yesterday got a good uh, good credit to him yesterday i think 
Uh, yeah, so on Slotterbeck there, one thing I noticed that he was covering a lot for, for Subotic when the ball went over the top. Uh, that's why he stood out for me, is that he played in that central role and whenever the, the, the centre-back either side of him gets a bit stuck, he's really good at coming across and covering them and getting them out of trouble. And last night, unfortunately, that was Subotic who really got caught three or four times with, with pace. Yeah, I, I I do I do agree that uh, if you're gonna play if you're gonna play Subotic, he definitely definitely needs help. I think that's why that's where the three at the back works, um, without a doubt. Um, Schlotterbeck is probably the one of the fastest defender. I think he may be the fastest defender in the in in the club. I'm not sure about Hubner or Friedrich, but um, yeah, it's it's actually a shame. I, I hope we hold on to him if we stay up. I, I'm not. Too sure that we are gonna. I think Freiburg are planning with him. Um, but uh, yeah, good player. Like him. Like him a lot. Very good. And uh, Kyle, yeah, what did you make of uh, last night's one-one draw? Yeah, uh, Schlotterberg uh, absolutely stood out. Um, it was it was very very solid at the back. Um, Friedrich as well. Outside of giving the ball up from the goal, I thought Friedrich was a had a pretty good game. You lose the ball now and then, and it was just unfortunate when uh, when Backer did score. Um, I thought, given the circumstances in the centre of the park, I thought Gentner did pretty decent, basically having to do the job of two men. And yeah, Rearson as well, pretty, he stood out pretty well. I still, it's nearly 24 hours on, and I still not, I still can't understand what Andrish was thinking. He would, he was lucky not to get booked for the first 50-50 when he got his second yellow. To then dive into another, clueless, but <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, we we kick on. Indeed, we uh, we do we do have to kick on, and the games are coming thick and fast. You may say, unfortunately, because obviously, I think the point that you make there, Mark, is is very true. The the energy that they will have expended during those 50, 50 minutes or so, playing as ten men. Could, uh, could impact us this weekend. Obviously, uh, we hope not, but we, we do play a, a, an energetic pressing game. So that, that is going to come home to roost at some point. Um, I think there was talks last night as well about the five subs as we were watching the game. Did we make the most of the, uh, of the substitutions? Uh, I'm not sure on that one. But I just wanted to make listeners aware of, of Andrik Bingo. Um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure why we didn't play it last night, but essentially... The group has uh, a sweepstake on on when he's going to pick up his his customary yellow card, which we didn't play last night. But I don't think any of us would have gone that early even then. Most people go around 60, 70 minutes. Um, it, it was a very early first yellow in the first place. Yeah, we missed a trick with uh, with Andrit Bingo for sure. Uh, Mark, any any final thoughts for you on the uh, the Mainz game? Uh, the thing of uh, the um, Andrich Bingo, also known as Surin Brandy Bingo from back in the day. That is very true, very true. Both com- combative players, very much players I think that fans, fans enjoy watching, but uh, let's, let's leave it for, for those types of players because I think you could add, add Poulter into that mix as well and we'll come on to him a bit later on. So the 27th of May 2019 will live long in the memories of all Unyona, whether you were at the Alta Forsterai, invading the pitch, like my three fellow podcasters, or whether you were sat at home with a cup of tea talking to your nephew who was visiting from the UK. I had family in town, I wasn't there, so I'll shut up. Guys, 
I don't think we decided on an order on this one, but uh, let's jump right in because I know that Kyle, uh, I can see Kyle grinning, so we'll, we'll go with Kyle first. Kyle, tell us about your experience on that, uh, that momentous occasion. I'll probably start with the most disappointing one. I wasn't actually there. Uh, I had a ticket, um, but I had jury duty, uh, so couldn't go. Um, I wanted to go and all that, but uh, no, so I, I was, in, was in work when, uh, when the game was on. Uh, and closing up, uh, listening to the the commentary and just oh collapsing on the floor and greeting. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good look, but um, yeah, it was a it was a pretty special moment. Uh, I would have loved to be there, and I, I don't know there'd be uh, bits of jealousy when Andrew and Mark start talking about it. Well, let's uh, let's put our jealousy to one side and 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 listen to those boys. Andrew, I think you're up next. Come on, tell us all about it. Okay. Uh, well, I'll start with, actually, first of all, I, I wrote an article about this for Onion in English a few weeks ago. And so we're going to go over a bit of the old grounds. Apologies if you've already read that, but it begins with me explaining to security at Tegel Airport why I had a massive bag of turf in my hand luggage, uh, which obviously I'd taken from, from the pitch, from the celebrations the night before. So for me, that was the defining memory was that I'd had about four, maybe five hours sleep. Uh, I had a 9am flight back to Manchester the next morning. Obviously, we celebrated quite hard into the night. It ended up in a kebab shop in Prenzlauerberg till about 4am. That's the last recollection I have. Um, of course, I flew in two days before the game and spent a bit of time in Berlin. And I just remember how long the day itself was. I think I woke up about seven in the morning, but for some reason they put kickoff at 8.30. Obviously it was a Monday night. It just seemed like the longest day in the world. I just didn't know what to do, just waiting for it. We went for an early beer, obviously to settle the nerves and the atmosphere began to build down at the ground. I remember Steven Skribski got off of the S-Bahn and just walked past all of us, all the fans. He was just going to the game as a fan and that's when he felt like, like something was, was happening here, something special was happening. Uh, we got into the ground probably two hours before, usually it would be about an hour, and it did not feel like a, a usual league game. It felt like it was an occasion. Uh, you really got the sense that this was it. This is what the club had been building up to for 10 years. This is what they've been waiting for. It's what everybody had been waiting for. Um, and then the game itself, I honestly don't have many recollections of it, apart from how tense it was. The only thing I remember was obviously the Stuttgart disallowed free kick, uh, which at the time, no, nobody in the ground knew what the check was for. We were all quite surprised when it got disallowed, but obviously big, big fans of VAR after that. Uh, and then second half, Abdullahi hitting the post twice from nowhere. Uh, one, he was clean through one-on-one, -on -one, fell over himself and then managed to toe-poke it and it crept towards the post with about 20 minutes to go. And after that, that was just pure tension. Petrified, terrified something was going to happen in those last sort of 10 minutes, just constantly watching the clock. And then you get to stoppage time and I think Stuttgart spent most of those three, was it three or four minutes in our box and I just couldn't couldn't cope with it. And then, obviously, final whistle. And it's a strange one because I was thinking, I've seen three promotions with my clubs. I've seen Oxford go up at Wembley in 2010. I saw them win a promotion in 2016 and then, obviously, Onion last year. The, the moments after it, I have no recollection of. I don't know if it's 
something just the the pure intensity of the the emotion the outpouring but I just can't remember it it's just a blur uh and then suddenly three or four minutes later it's just looking round in, in disbelief everyone just couldn't believe what they were seeing in front of them um people pouring onto the pitch and it took us a few minutes in the group that we were in and and Jameson will tell you this we were just looking at each other going what 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 what's happened there we just couldn't process it and we didn't know what to do we want should we go on the pitch should we stay here nobody had a clue what to do and then yeah we we decided to to make our way down to the pitch uh, and we were there probably for a good hour singing seeing old faces random strangers just embracing you um and again the main feeling there was just utter disbelief you looked around you and you thought am i really seeing this 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 can't actually be happening but yeah i mean the the biggest emotion for me that day was just terror it was it was not a nice game to watch um but come 10:30 that night it it made it all worth it so yeah we went back to the tanker our usual pre-match drinking spot uh and after that as just just drinks it was just drinks um getting the last S-Barn home from Kerpenick was pretty eventful as well it was packed uh, I think and I don't know if I'm remembering this right but Torsten Matushka might have been on that S-Barn and we were singing the Matushka song but that's never been verified so don't don't take my word on that one um, and then like I said yeah we ended up at a kebab shop in Prenzlauer till the till the small hours well, there are certainly worse places to finish an evening than a Berlin kebab shop, that's for sure. Mark, what are your memories of the, uh, the eventful day? Well, I'm a bit different to Cherry, actually. I think I was never really stressed during the game. And I do get stressed during games. I've people seen you. Will, people will verify that I do get stressed during games. But especially the last, uh, the last 10 minutes, I just this sense of calm came over me. It's like, it's all right, they're, not, they're never going to score, Stuttgart. They're never going to score here. I remember there was two minutes left in real time and we actually had the ball, got, the foot, got our foot on the ball. Um, and um, I think, I can't remember who it was, but they just passed it, just like put, put a square pass, like about edge of the, edge of the, the, the circle. Square pass across just to spread the play, to, to stretch the play out. And a guy in front of me, he went absolutely, I think he, he lost his mind, fractionally, a little bit there. It's like, it's like, dude, he just played a, a square pass. It's like, it's all right, just calm down and everything. And when, when I've seen uh, uh, Gerard, who's, uh, he'll be listening, uh, I'm assuming, uh, one, of the, one of the others in the group, he took a, he took a, a video of the last, of the last minutes, the last, uh, before, the, before the end. And um, I honestly, in that moment, I'm with Cherry absolutely. I don't really remember what happened when the, when the final whistle went. All I do remember is that we were all piling down onto the, uh, piling down to the pitch and just looking all four corners all around, even, even at the Stuttgart, uh, even at the Stuttgart end who, who stayed around uh, as well. Uh, there were some people on the pitch who were who were who were taunting them. Some of them were applauding them and everything, which was uh, it was also fair fair of us to applaud them as well. Um, but after a little while, milling around on the pitch and hugging each other and seeing people who we haven't seen for ages, um, it was like 
what do we do now? It's like we're in the Bundesliga. It's like literally, what do we do now? Do we do we cry? Do we do we drink? Do we start tearing the pitch up, which Cherry apparently did do? I took a little bit. I took a little bit as well and planted it in my front garden too. Um, but it was very much like, right, erste Bundesliga, wonderful, let's go for it and everything. And then and then I just came back home on a on a on a tram, not not late, certainly not late, and certainly not four o'clock kebab late, definitely not. Um, I came back home, and that was one thing that I do remember about the game about the day was uh, I came in and the, and the kids uh, were both here uh, in the pajamas. They wanted to stay up and like celebrate and everything. And we were in the, our front room doing the, um, uh, uh, the uh, what's the song? It's um, Johnny, I hardly knew you. I think is the, the melody that this one. And we were all jumping around in the front room, like all three of us. That was that was definitely my uh, my, my favourite moment of the day. Uh, just on the the what do we do now comment uh, is a shout out to uh, Kino FC, as he's known on Twitter, Hans Martin from the uh, Textile for Game podcast. I remember seeing him wandering around on the pitch, just in some sort of trance, just looking at it, taking it all in. And I walked up and I tapped him on the shoulder, hugged him, and he just said. What do we do now? So it's very strange that Mark mentioned that because um, that was the exact feeling, and I just remember that he just turned around to me and said, "What? What? What happens now? What do we do?" It was it was surreal. Well, it's uh, it's very interesting, I'll say, hearing those stories, and I think um, yeah, there's not many regrets that you have in life, but I think generally you regret the things that you haven't done. So uh, for me, it was uh, the Verve at Hay Hall during my A-levels because I had to choose whether to watch Sunderland v Charlton or go to see the Verve. And I chose to watch a 4-4 defeat on penalties at Wembley, which was one of the, one of the best games of all time. But I missed out on the Verve. But I did see them at Glastonbury a few years later. Mark, anyway, what's your, uh, what's your comeback to Andrew on that? Uh, no, 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 no comeback, uh, no comeback to, uh, to Andrew on that at all. It's just, I'm just looking... Well, I just opened up the actual um, the, the list, the team list of who uh, who started that game. Um, we also have Gentner as the captain of Stuttgart. Let's not forget that as well. People forget that he actually played against us last year in the in the in the relegation, the playoff game. Uh, Rierson, uh played, I think, very well that day, and it's so sad to see. Abdullah, uh, Abdullah is named there because he is he I, I swear we wouldn't have gone up without him last year we would not have gone up without him last year it's not only his goal in the home in the away leg in Stuttgart uh, but also also at home he the guy just the guy just makes things happen he's not the most talented footballer he's, I don't think he is a very talented footballer but he just makes things happen I do wish he was fit now. He would give us so much, so much at the moment. Yeah, just on Gentner, uh, he scored the opening goal for Stuttgart in the playoff. Abdullahi equalised well, like a minute later from, but yeah, it was Gentner that scored. I guess all's fair in love and war now, but um, at the time that could have been costly. Indeed, indeed. But um, great memories from everybody there. I think to kind of sum up the last few years before that, I think there was always a sense of trepidation about what happens when Union, if at the time people thought, if we do reach, uh, reach the promised land, the top flight, what will happen? 
And I think that kind of idea of, of what do we do now maybe also stems a little bit from, of course, there was massive elation, but I think there was always an undercurrent within Union, within some factions of the club about what happens when you get to the top flight. It, it's a big game changer. The club becomes much more well-known, etc. I think obviously at the moment we're seeing a huge spotlight on German football as a whole, but Union obviously a part of that now. And we're, we're talking at the moment about a new stadium, well, a stadium development, but uh, if the Alta Forsterei moves to an almost 40,000 stadium, no matter how many terraces are part of that and, and standing, uh, standing capacity is part of that, I think that's a far cry from the 22,000 horseshoe stadium that we've got now. And I think for me, for me, that was always people were kind of worried a little bit about oh, what happens next. And I think it's been interesting being in the top flight because I've been to games and nothing's really changed for me. I don't know how everyone else feels about that. Andrew, when you go to games, do you, do you feel any different in the top flight than you did when we were going to watch games when there was 15,000 in the, the second division? Yeah, I think I mentioned this briefly in that article that I wrote. It, I said it just feels a bit more intense. It just feels like there's a bit more a bit more riding on it. It feels more like an event. People get in the ground earlier. It gets full quicker. There's Everything feels like it's just a bit more heightened. That's all I'd say about it. But the match day experience doesn't change. And you've got a few more things around sort of the build-up to the game. Obviously, there's more TV there. There's more coverage of the game itself. But beyond that, it feels very much like it did four or five years ago, I'd say. Interesting. Kyle, you have any thoughts on that one? I, I'm the same as Andrew, like, in terms of it hasn't changed. I did have my worries going into the season. But I think, especially with the way the tickets are uh, just now, it's kind of everyone in that ground is, like, there. To, to support Onion and that's something that makes Alta Vista Rye special and it was uh, it was nice that like my first game this season would have been the the game against Frankfurt and um, it just it did feel like that extra there was something something more to it that I, I hadn't really experienced before and it is still like anything that any worries that I had so far haven't come to fruition and long may that stay that way and finally Mark Yourself? Yeah, I think if you're talking about the atmosphere, how, if it's changed, how it's changed and everything, I think like we might not actually be the best people to ask. I think you have to ask people who don't come so often. Um, I know that my dad, he comes once, twice a year to watch Union and everything and has watched them as far back as almost I have. But certainly I think um, he watched uh, Berliner AK versus... Uh, Union at Malteserstrasse in Berlin in a, in a proper get in a proper game saw saw a goal of the season candidate by Karim Benjamina back then as well so he goes they go way back my dad and he said honestly the stadium has got bigger obviously but the atmosphere is was it was fantastic then and the atmosphere is fantastic now that's basically what he says and ultimately that's why I think many people definitely our group were attracted to Union, it's standing on the terraces, it's that atmosphere and uh, you certainly can't, can't, can't change that in a season. Um, unless there's a global pandemic, of course, then, uh, then you certainly can change it.
Please note that the podcast in the following section was recorded on Thursday evening when the first short statement from Onion on Sebastian Poulter was released. This was followed on Friday by a more detailed statement and a rebuttal from Sebastian Poulter's lawyers. As of the time of recording, the second statement is not yet available in English on the club's official website, but check back there for the latest information. So late this afternoon, we had news about Union striker, Sebastian Poulter. Safe to say he's a bit of a fan favourite. He has also played in the English Championship for QPR. So he does have a few fans in the UK. I know that from talking to QPR fans. He was, he was well liked there. The statement that was put out by Union today, I think we agreed as a group earlier that it was uh, vague is probably a generous term. Obviously, Polter had a contract that was going to expire anyway at the, at the end of this term, and it, it wasn't going to be renewed. But the statement described the decision being communicated to the 29-year-old directly by the club president, Dirk Zingler. The quote in English, so it's a translation, but it, this is on the Union website, it is one of the fundamental, fundamental values of FC Union Berlin that we as Unioner form a solid, tight-knit community in which we stand up for each other and for our club. Sebastian, the only player in the first team squad, coaching and backroom team, does not do this, unfortunately. This is not understandably for us and extremely disappointing. That's a direct quote, so it's not me getting it wrong there. Um, I won't read it all, but... Um, Bit of, a, um, bit of a sad end to Polter's career at Union. I think when you have players that are, that are well-liked by the fan base, you hear this and, yeah, a bit, uh, a bit sad. We've all got probably some quite good memories of, of Polter. Uh, definitely, as we said earlier, one of those candidates for, for picking up a booking. He's, he's, he's not shy of a challenge, put it that way. But, uh, but Cherry, can we, can we start with you? What's your take on this, uh, on this news? Yeah, as you said, it's a sad end. Um, we don't know the full facts. We don't know how this has come about. Um, and until then, I think, until we know exactly what's happened, it's, it's hard to really make a, a proper judgment on it. Um, but I've, yeah, that's all I can think. It's a sad way for it to end. Uh, nobody's surprised that, that, that he's leaving. I think we all knew that he'd be going. He's not getting games. He's 29 now, so you'd think he, he needs to be playing. He's probably, realistically, he's not good enough to play in the Bundesliga every week. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's it's sad. And there's, there are some rumours on Twitter and there's some articles in the press that suggesting that it might be something to do with his salary, um, perhaps not agreeing to the salary cut that all the players agreed to uh, after the coronavirus crisis, which in itself would be quite a sour note to end on um, and strange because he, he loves the club. You always got the feeling that he really bought into the ethos of the club. He was really close to the fans. You, you know, there was never any disputes. There were never any spats. The fans were always behind him and he always gave back. Like you saw when he, he scored the penalty against Hertha back in November, he went straight to the fans and jumped on the fence there um, and you could see how much it meant to him in his face and how much he enjoyed it. So, yeah, sad. He's, he's been a great servant to the club. Um, it's just a shame that it's, it's ended this way. Yeah, very disappointing. Kyle, what's your, what's your take on, uh, on Polter, Poltergate? <laughs> yeah, it, same as Cherry. It is such a, a sad way to earn something that 
for me is definitely the newest person to the club uh, out of the four of us. It's um, it's a sad way to go. The, the only one I've watched, Polter, has been pretty much ever synonymous with us. Yeah, he, he went the QPR for a bit, but um, like the first goal I I seen at the Altafusta Eye was a was a Polter goal. Um, some of you might remember the ninety second minute winner against Sapoli three seasons ago. Uh, Trimmel Trimmel uh, ball into the box and Polter scoring into the Valzaya. Um, what was something that, like, even thinking about it just now, I've got like goosebumps thinking of how special that was. Uh, his overhead kick against Kale, he's uh, like, there's been some some really special moments, and it's uh, it's such a shame for it to end on on such a such a sour note. It's just sad. Like, I, I, it's yeah, I don't have much more to add than it's sad. But um, look, all the best to him in the future. Um, I'm I'm sure wherever he goes, the fans will love him. Uh, I'm sure he can buy into a club, and uh, he's still got a lot to offer. He's not he's not done by any means. Um, yeah, just wish him the best. Yeah, I think we all uh, all definitely wish him the best. Mark, you're uh, you're in Berlin, so um, have you managed to pick up any of the local papers, or uh, what's the, what's the word on the street? Unfortunately, yes, I have managed to pick up a lot of papers. Um, no, it's. Um... Uh, it, the rumours are out there, as Cherry mentioned, that there's uh, problems with the lack or the the deferment of the deferment of salary connected to uh, the coronavirus, connected to all all members of the club. And if, from what people are saying, he's the only the only person the only person to have uh, to have complained and said, "I ain't doing it" or "I don't want to do it." I mean. I find that quite difficult to believe. If I'm putting my um, sort of punditry hat on here, I'd say that there are more people in the club that we're led to believe that aren't happy about this. And that Porter has been hung out to dry because he's going to be out of the club anyway, which was already a done deal uh, at the end of the season. So I think this is um, uh, Dirk Tingler's way of saying you boys had better fall into line, otherwise this is going to happen to you as well. That's just my personal opinion. It's not based on any fact. We have, we've had no uh, feedback from, from uh, Sebastian Poulter either, although I am more or less 100% certain that this is going to happen because if we found anything this, this year, uh, this season, it's that uh, Poulter likes talking to the press. So I'm sure this is not the end of the mudslinging. I think that this is just a means to an end, and I personally think that um, that 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 Poulter has been hung out to dry a little bit here. I think this is everyone must fall in line. The thing is that I want to add just final thing is that Union and the players at the club are no different. We all laughed about Hertha and everything last with the Salomon Kalu video and everything. Them all complaining about their losses, about their wages and stuff like that. This goes on in every in every changing room including at Union. We are by no means different or better than any other club in that sense. I'm, sh- I'm fairly sure there are some, there are some uh, unhappy people. You can argue the toss whether that's justified or not. But I think that this and Rafa Gikiewicz thing, the whole announcing this officially, this is just a means to an end. Everyone else get in line. Sport, in, in terms of sports perspective, I don't think he's a huge loss, apart from the lack of strikers that we have at the moment. Uh, there's a lack of options up there. 
we could do with a fully functioning Sebastian Polter up front. No doubt about that. Um, he just he hasn't been the same since his injury, since he uh, since he broke his foot, um, and and for me he will have to get his mojo back if he wants to dine at the top table anymore. Personally, I think that he won't. I think he'll drop down to uh, either he'll he'll probably drop down to 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 the second Bundesliga. That would be my that would be my guess. But wherever he goes, we will have this overhead kick. We will have this um, the winner against Hertha. We will have the permanently drunk Sebastian Polter on the on and, and Kopenick Town Hall after after we went up. We'll have his um, his joining the team, joining the team the second time around where he came to, out to the to the training camp in in Spain. As well, that was uh, that was also a nice moment as well. We'll have all those moments. Wish him well. It's a sad end, as everyone has said. Yeah, I just want to pick up on one point that people have made, and and that's that's this thing about the level of Sebastian Polter. And when when you tot up, which I did before we came on, how many how many goals he scored for games he's played at Union? He scored forty four goals in one hundred and one appearances. Now. That's, that's a pretty good return, and, and albeit, yeah, a lot of those have, have come in, in the second tier. However, if, if you wanted to rely on someone to come on for, for 10, 15 minutes in a relegation scrap, Sebastian Polter would be my type of player. So whatever's gone on at the club, whatever Zingler's games are, if, if he is playing games, as, as you're suggesting, Mark, for me, if, it's a, if, if you're looking at purely football, I would, I would definitely want him in that squad. I'd want him on the bench. I'd want to bring him on. So I think it's, it's very unfortunate for Union that they're losing him as a, as a resource. And we'll perhaps come on to people's thoughts on how we're going to do for the rest of the season. I think uh, we did a Twitter poll and um, people are worried that we'll finish third bottom. If Union were to go down... This, was a, this is a decision that could come back to haunt Zingler and, and would be seen, quite rightly, as, as potentially a very, very poor decision and one that only added to, to the woes that, that Union would have, would, would have definitely faced if, we, if, we'd, uh, if we'd gone down during this period. So, uh, so yeah, um, obviously a huge, hugely disappointing day to hear that. I think the other thing that you mentioned, Mark, again, is that we're, we're being kind of drip-fed information about people's contracts and, and various things. Uh, it, it doesn't seem that we're managing to deal with things in private and, and deal, dealing with things in a, in a classy way at the moment, which, uh, which again, I think is, uh, is a bit of a shame. Well, the thing is, is that since the second half of the season, since the start of Corona, if you want, there's been constantly good things coming out of the club, constantly good, um, uh, good news. Um, there have been two dissenting voices in this, always. This is the ongoing uh, contract thing with Gikiewicz and Polter saying, I'm not going to be at Union next year. These are the only two dissenting voices and these are two, these are two players who have now been announced officially by the club that they aren't going to be wearing at Union top next year. Um, I think that this is might not be something that they look back on 
and say, oh, that was a huge, that was a huge mistake. I think that if over the years I've seen enough of Union, it's that if anybody doesn't toe the line, if anybody has a different, uh, especially in, especially in the pub, in public, uh, then they land in the stands. We've had this, we've had this over the years, many, many times. We had like uh, Nemec got suspended back in the day. Um, we've had um, Guido Spark got suspended back in the day. Kobiavide got suspended. As soon as something comes out that's negative of the club, it's like, oh, er steht nicht mehr zur Verfügung. So he is not available to play, basically. It's always this, always. Good, uh, good insight there, Mark. So let's, let's try and end on the, on the Polter bit of this. Uh, let's try and end on a, on a, on a, bit, of a bit of a bright note. Who's, who has some, some great memories of, of Polter and, and what are they? So Kyle mentioned there uh, earlier a last-minute winner against Sampaoli, but my favourite Polter memory is actually exactly the same thing, but a few years earlier, maybe two years earlier, actually, in his first loan spell. Uh, he scored a last-minute winner again against Pauli to win 1-0. But this was just brilliant because it came from a goalkeeping error. I think it was a back pass that he just totally miskicked it. Polter ran onto it, uh, just placed it into an empty net. But the way he celebrated that goal, I think, really endeared him to, to the fans. And that's just the standout memory for me is obviously a last-minute winner against Pauli is always nice. <clears throat> but this one particular, because of the nature of the goal, um, that was great. The other one that stands out is possibly his first goals for Union in that first spell. But I've not checked this, but um, he got two against RB Leipzig. And they had just come up from the third division. And all the talk was of them steamrolling the league, going straight up again, straight into the Bundesliga. Uh, he scored a, a header, I think, from a corner was his first. Um, there about 20 minutes to go. Leipzig went up the other end and equalised. And then there was a ball over the top, which he chased down and he finished it superbly, really calmly. And he's, again, he celebrated that like a madman. And that was, you know, he was only on loan at this point. Uh, he hadn't really made a mark on Yon. He hadn't put his stamp on the club. But that then, that was his way of saying, like, I'm here, I've arrived. And for it to be, obviously, to, to secure the win over Leipzig, that made it even more special. Uh, and then the, the other great memory I've got is obviously the, the penalty against Hertha that I mentioned back in November. Um, for, for him to, to get that win was pretty special. And I think that's, that'll be the standout memory for a lot of fans. It will be that one. Yeah, I can remember that Pauli game. That 1-0 was, uh, was absolutely uh, absolutely brilliant. And uh, yeah, in a, in a bit of a twist of fate, he did come from Mainz, Polter, when he was on loan. He, he, was, he wasn't really doing that well at Mainz. I think he played... Uh, a handful of games, maybe about a dozen games, hadn't scored, came to Union. So I don't think there was great expectation when this guy turned up, but uh, he certainly, uh, he's certainly done very well. Kyle, what were your, what were your memories of Polter then? Yeah, I kind of alluded to them earlier, but the, definitely the two standouts for me. Uh, I, I feel like I'm neglecting the, the, the Derby goal, but uh, I, f I didn't see the game. So uh, I wasn't on edge as the as the rest of you due to being at another match but um yeah the the first first on young goal seeing uh, uh i thought it was going to be what like another game at the first drive where it's going i was getting quite nervous towards the end and uh yeah uh to score that 
90, 92nd minute winner uh, against Polly two seasons ago. Yeah, it was um, oh, incredible. It, it, like I was standing in the in the Waldseite and it was right like into the Waldseite as well. Uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic moment and just beer flying everywhere. Yeah, you know the score. And then yeah, the 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 overhead kick against Keel because he was out injured and to to come on with twenty minutes or so to go and. It was a quite a nervy game. Like we, it was 0-0 in 90 minutes. Uh, Prumel scored, if I remember correctly, and then uh, Holter with this uh, one-on-one the keeper and hit, hit the keeper, and it just bounces up in the air, and you're like, oh, well, there goes that, and just out of nowhere, with this bicycle kick and lobs the keeper, and you're like, what have I just seen? Uh, it's incredible. Um, so, yeah, definitely to the kind of just two great goals. <laughs> One for technique and one for just the timing and the importance of it at the time. Um, but yeah, it's uh, he's given us a lot of good memories, so thankful for that. Nice one, lastly, Mark. Well, in my uh, in my bit earlier, I mentioned uh, all the some 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 of the good moments, uh, some of the good moments, uh, the the derby, the overhead kick, the the partying on the balcony after the promotion. Uh, one that's uh, maybe not. Maybe not, maybe not so, so so much fun for him, uh, but it was against the game against Leverkusen where he came on as a substitute, touched the ball once, ran 340 metres. According to the official tally, he ran 340 metres before he got a straight red card for going straight down someone's shin. And um, I think if he ran, he was 340 metres from going on. So assuming he did that on the other side of the pitch, how how far uh, did he actually run that that pitch? I think it, it it did seem like he came on, kicked someone, got red carded, and then went off again. It's like it's like brilliant. Only Polter could do that, or maybe Schmieder back if it was mistimed. But only Polter could do that. That's just one of the things that I think is about him. Yeah, he's certainly uh, certainly a, a colourful player. I think is is fair to say. Well. Let's, uh, let's look forward now, instead of looking backwards, let's look forward to the weekend. We've got Gladbach, uh, Sunday afternoon. So in many parts of uh, Europe, we've got a bank holiday, public holiday on, on Monday. So I'm sure a few, uh, a few beers will be had on, on Sunday watching Gladbach. Tough away fixture, but I think there's only been, what, three home wins so far or something like that. So home advantage certainly seems to have... Uh, have gone out of the window. Um, Kyle, maybe you can uh, kick off and tell us a bit about what's coming up this weekend and then your thoughts on uh, on Union away at, uh, at Gladbach. Yeah, so we're kind of, I think we're kind of accepting that we're being dragged into a relegation battle, kicking and screaming here, um, with his uh, only being four points above the playoff. Um, uh, Fortuna, Nabbing a win last night, Schalke not doing us any favours, and thankfully we've still got to play Schalke. Um, yeah, uh, Munch Gladbach, I go before the break, didn't think we could get much out of this, but um, I watched their, their game against Bremen uh, the other the other day, and um, they didn't look all, up to all that much. Uh, Bremen seemed to be kicking on a bit, which again is maybe a worry for us, but uh, on a personal note, a, a bit of a soft spot for uh, Bremen. So. I'd like to see them stay up, but as long as it doesn't mean we're going down, uh, I don't know how that works. That if we can both stay up, yeah, great. But uh, I think I'm clutching at straws. 
but it's in a way that I definitely want to do when we can get back into stadiums. And then, uh, as well as that 0-0 draw, uh, they then lost uh, 3-1 to, to Leverkusen last weekend as well. So they're not in the best run of form. I know Marco Rose has done a great job there this season and play and Thuram has been fantastic and Matthias Ginter as well. Maybe it's not the expected defeat that we maybe thought before or maybe I'm just being a bit too optimistic because let's bear in mind we've played three games we've only got one point and one goal out of those so maybe I'm being a bit too optimistic but um, we'll see. Yeah, I don't think there's uh, anything wrong with being optimistic. I think... uh... A point, if we could get that, would be would be a decent return for that one, and then build on that with uh, with like you say, you've got games coming up against people who aren't in great form, like Schalke. So um, yeah, see uh, see how it goes. Andrew, what's your thoughts uh, on this weekend's fixture? Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, a point would be a good result there. I'm not too optimistic about that happening. Um, I was there for the. For the fixture at home back in November, we won two now, and we we were in that really good run of form. We were really on it that day. Um, took the took the lead through Ujar early on, and then got the late goal through Anderson. But we managed to keep them really quiet. And as Carl mentioned, they've got some real good good threat up front. Um, that day at home, we managed to uh, to contain them. As we've seen now, though, from the last two games, we aren't too good at containing pacey, powerful, uh, counter-attacking sides anymore, which Gladbach sort of are. So, yeah, it's going to be another tough one. But as you said, there's no way of knowing now how these these games are going to turn out. Home advantage isn't really a thing, it seems, anymore. And we could turn up, we could be a totally different team and, and take something from there, but yeah, I'd be happy, very happy with the draw if we could get one. And Mark, what's your uh, what's your predictions or thoughts on uh, the game coming up? Yeah, the uh, the home game was one of the most relaxed games I think of this season. I think I remember I remember watching. There was ne- the, we weren't even in, in in with a hint of losing that game. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be the same uh, in 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 Gladbach. Let's uh, let's not kid ourselves. They're up there at the top of the table and they do have some very, very good players. They're also quick players, they're pacey players, they're bite-your-legs players. Um, Turan and Player and Embolo, they're all, they're all players that our back three will not like playing against. Let's not be under any illusions. Those are, those are very good players. Plus, they've got like what they're playing in front of a crowd of like fifteen thousand paper paper fans as well. <laughs> Let's not forget that as well. This is a free hit. This is an absolute free hit for us. I think would love to get a point. I'm similarly not particularly optimistic about it. Um, let's see. Depends also what Union comes out of the box. Depends what happens in midfield with us. Uh, what system we're going to play. Um, fingers crossed. Let's hope. Fingers crossed indeed. Cherry? Uh, yeah, I've just I've just checked my my score app there and they reckon Mbolo's not available to play. So that's something, I guess. So are you, are you now slightly more optimistic or are you still thinking a draw? You'll take that if I offered you it now? Take the draw. Take the draw. Yeah, well, I think when you look at the Unioner at the moment, I mean, uh, we, we've got our little Twitter feed, we've got a few people following us, and thanks to everyone who 
who uh, answered the poll. There was 135 votes, so I'm not saying this is uh, this is at all uh, representative of the uh, the whole of uh, the Union fan base, but. 20% 20, 20 of people weren't worried at all. So um, that's great. People are just not worried about relegation and think we'll be fine. 70% said they're worried about being third bottom. And obviously third bottom does mean that you've got a game against the uh, third top. So you're, you're, you're certainly not, you're not down and out. You've, you've just got to, uh, you've got, to, got to win a two-game series. Um, and 10% and think we're doomed. So I think those 10% might have been those Herter fans who follow us. But uh, thanks, for, thanks for engaging in our poll, you guys. But... Um, there we have it. Any more, any more thoughts on, on, on this weekend? Yeah, uh, in terms of looking at the teams around us and who they're playing, I think, um, well, I think says a lot uh, in terms of the relegation battle because we'll be no doubt scoreboard watching as we, as we were on the, on the Zoom call last night. Um, if we kind of consider Kuln, uh 11th with 34 points, it's probably like three points ahead of us is probably kind of the the top of the teams that could potentially go down and all the way down, all the way through uh, to, to Paderborn. Uh, cool. This week playing Leipzig at home on Monday. Um, it's a tough game for them. Uh, Augsburg, who are in 12th, they play Hertha away. Frankfurt play Wolfsburg away on Saturday, but they also play the following Wednesday, the game in hand against Bremen. Uh, which is quite key in terms of how the the relegation battle is uh, going to work out. Uh, we've got Mainz playing Hoffenheim at home uh, and Fortuna away to Bayern, which is the, the top spiel on Saturday. Definitely, if we could get something out of it, it'd be a really good weekend for us, uh, regard, like, regardless of the other results. But uh, hopefully we don't lose too much ground if we don't, uh, given the fixtures that are there in front of us. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we had some great tweets, actually. And one of my favourites was when somebody just put in, in basically one, one picture all those remaining fixtures of, uh, of our rivals. And I think you mentioned that Fortuna Dusseldorf are away at Bayern Munich on Saturday in that top spiel. They have got a horrible run in Kyle, haven't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, thanks to Federic Mirup. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Um, uh, at Mirup Nielsen 10 on Twitter. But yeah, uh, uh, Fortuna's uh, running is pretty awful. They've still to play Bayern away, uh, Leipzig away. They've still to play us away as well, or like at the Altafus Dry uh, with that home support. Uh, it really gives us a bit of extra in these Geisterspieler. Uh, I'm being sarcastic, by the way. Dusseldorf uh, still have to play Hoffenheim and Dortmund as well, and then they've got a game against Augsburg. I've jumped through the games. That, that's not the order they're in, but they've got, uh, they've got some tough games in there. So with them sitting in that playoff at the moment, I, 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 maybe, I maybe worry a bit more about Bremen than I would about Fortuna. Um, uh, Mainz as well, they've still got a couple of tough games. So Frankfurt as well, still got to play uh, Bayern. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm not looking forward to the amount of scoreboard watching I'm going to be doing over these uh, these next few games. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll all be uh, all be looking at some scoreboards. Uh, our good friend Jacob Linved, who was one of the uh, competition winners back in the day when we uh, launched our competition to win a, a tour around the Alta Forsterei. So Jacob uh, said, considering our opponents in the last five games versus Dusseldorf's last five before meeting them in the last game, he's confident that we will stay clear of the bottom three. Out of the four teams from 13th to 16th, Dusseldorf seemed to have the most difficult fixtures, uh, the other three quite equal. And I think that's, uh, that's definitely true. I think um, Werder Bremen have still got um, an extra fixture to make up that they missed out on. 
just before the pandemic. I think that was going to be the Monday night game or something. I can't remember. But I think they've got one extra game to play. But, um, yeah, definitely going to be scoreboard watching for sure. Yeah, that extra game is the uh, is on Wednesday night and it is against um, Frankfurt. So definitely a big one for us to be watching. We'll be, uh, we'll be glued to another, another ghost game. Sherry? I've just got something to end on going back to, to Onion and Gladbach. Um, it, I don't know. It's not a friendship as such, but there is a mutual respect between the two clubs that some people might not know about. Um, and it goes back to 2001 when Onion, as a, as a third division club, somehow made it to the final of, of the DFB Pokal. Uh, and in the semis, they played Gladbach, actually, beat them on penalties. It was 1-1 in normal time. Uh, and we saw, obviously, the pitch invasion last year. I think that there was also a pitch invasion there. And I think it's a great thing to look up on YouTube. I, I looked at it earlier. There's about 20 minutes of footage from that game. Uh, it's a great watch. And thankfully, you know, the Gladbach fans aren't too sour about that. And there is a little bit of a friendship there, not officially, not in the same way as, you know, Hertha and, and Karlsruhe or something like that. But uh, just something nice to end on. And it's good to be friends. Well, what a, what a positive end. It certainly is good to be friends. Uh, I've enjoyed talking to my friends today about Union. We'll be back with, with, with more. That's it for this evening. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts and various other platforms. If you want to subscribe on your own platform, we can uh, send out an RSS link to if you want to get in touch, you can do on Twitter, Onion in English, or if it's something a bit longer, podcast at onion-berlin.com. And that intro music was absolutely brilliant. So a massive thanks to uh, Die Wallet, I think I'm saying the name right. Um, superb intro music, and we look forward to resuming Podcast 3 in the next few days.